believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Some betrayals, you can just move on from them, but other betrayals, they might go on forever till, till you're done with time. We have to look at the person on a regular basis and see the person that betrayed you. You married them, you trusted them, they cheated on you, they left you, they married someone else, and now you have to share your kids 50% with this strange woman that's not the mother or this strange man that's not the father. But God is greater than those betrayals. We need to understand that, and we'll, we'll wrap that up with clarity tonight before we're done. But we, we have to forgive the betrayers. There's just no, there's no, there's, there's, uh, there's no other alternative. It just, there's no other alternative. So if you've been betrayed and you've wrestled, wrestled with forgiving that person or those people, I encourage you in Jesus' name right now to let that go. Acknowledge that by the Holy Spirit and make a commitment in this year to let God heal you of that and move on from it. Betrayal is a great evil, but to let it rule you only gives it victory where God's grace can triumph over it. One other thought, we certainly want to be the people that don't betray people. When we say, I got your back, we want to have someone's back. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the covenant of love is a great covering. And we should never enjoy or rejoice in people's failures or destruction and those sorts of things. And loyalty is a great attribute in the kingdom of God. It's a great attribute in the human experience, let alone in the kingdom of God. Not blind loyalty because faithful are the wounds of a friend and deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, but loyalty goes a long way. Like, really, when we think about doing for others what we have them do for us, that's kind of a silly statement because if what you would do for others isn't good. Why would, you know, like you, that becomes your own theology, actually, if you think that through. Uh, but if you have a biblical standard for doing for others what you'd have them do for you, then being loyal and being a true friend is, true friends are hard to find. As you go through life, you'll find there's very few people that stay consistently in your life that are true friends and they're worth your loyalty. And we represent Christ and Christ was faithful to the end. So we want to be careful that we're not the betrayer. We want to be loyal friends, but we also want to be forgiving of the betrayers. Now we read on in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he, Jesus, sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters Then he shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. A couple quick things before we move on to the next passage. It says, then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover must be killed. 
It was God's will that Christ would die on the Passover. The Passover begins at sundown. The Jewish days begin at sundown. So sunset starts the day at night, and then it goes all the way through to the next day at sunset. So Jesus literally was crucified on Passover. And that's not random. It's very deliberate. It shows he is the Passover. So as we move into the, uh, the, the Passover feast and the initiation of transfer from Passover to the Lord's Supper of Communion, it's all by divine design. And God's bigger than, than, he's bigger than all the issues of men and the betrayal and the rejoicing and glad and how we're plotting to betray. He's bigger than all that. He, like, it's, a, it's like a chessboard of people thinking they're moving, but God's over the whole thing. It's like when uh, the Passion came out, the movie, The Passion of Jesus Christ, and it created a lot of controversy. Many of you remember that. And the biggest controversy over who was who put Jesus on the cross, right? It, Jesus submitted to the cross in perfect will to the Father for the redemption of humanity. Jesus said when they came to take him, he goes, could I not call down a legion of angels right now? Like, permit it to be so. When he said in the garden, if there's any other way, but nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. God's, God's in control. He's always in control over the universe and over the hairs on our head. Always in control. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about it. He's got it. So it's the day. It's, see that capital D. So we've gone from uh, the feast drawing near to the actual day of, of the feast with Passover. I find it, I like this detail that it was Peter and John that were sent. Here's something to think about. Jesus sent Peter and John to go find that room, and he, he prepared the way before them. He said, they're like, well, where do we go? What do we do? He's like, hey, you go there. You'll see this guy at the water pitcher. Follow him. Say, hey. And he'll say, hey. And then you'll go like, hey. And then it's, hey. It's all there. It's, I go before you. When we studied the donkey, the, the cult of the donkey, we, we covered this in application that the Lord goes before us and he prepares the way. But this detail tells us who these two apostles were. And isn't it interesting? It's Peter and John. Because it's Peter and John on the day of Pentecost. It's Peter and John in the early church that healed the, the lame man in Acts 3. It's Peter and John before the Sanhedrin council. It's Peter and John going to Samaria. It's Peter and John, Peter and John, Peter and John. These guys were the two premier leaders of the apostles in the early church that they were constantly sent out into situations that were beyond them that would, could overwhelm them with no precedent of what to expect. And I just believe it's just part of God just showing them like, hey, I go before you. I've got this. In other words, everything's in increments with the Lord. When the Jews came to the promised land, he didn't give them all the land at once. He gave them little by little. He who's faithful with little, they'll get more. And it's like God teaches us things in lessons and seasons. We have to learn at each stage of life what he's teaching us in understanding his character and his grace and his call in our life. And then he gives us more. And I just, I really like this detail that Peter and John were the two guys because everything was laid out before them. And these guys are going to change the world. And it's good for them to know, even on the night of betrayal, that everything was laid out before them. The night when Peter would deny the Lord and John would be the disciple whom Jesus loved, leaning on his chest, going like, hey, who's the betrayer, right? Okay, so these guys, Peter and John, they left the fishing business and here they are. How are we going to do this? We got a great plan. This is what we should do. We should book this room. He's like, hey, the guy with the water, follow him. It's not what we're doing. It's being in tune with what God's doing and, and being sensitive to discern it in our lives. And they found it just as he had said to them. Verse 13. Let me, let's look at that verse again. They went and found it just as he said to them. And I want to tell you emphatically in Jesus' name that wherever God's sending us, 
in our day-to-day life, in our day-to-day affairs, he goes before us. You might think it's random dumb luck that you get in a conversation with someone at Trader Joe's or Vaughn's or whatever. God, a man and a woman plan their ways, but the Lord directs our steps. And God is over those things. So the key is to be sensitive to recognize that God is in the situation and go, ah, this is the Lord. And what does he want to do in this? And the more sensitive and discerning we are of those things, the more likely God's going to use us. And if we let him use us this way, then we're more apt to be called on to be used that way. And ultimately, that's the greatest value of our life, being used by the Lord. Amen? Amen, yeah. So we pick it up in verse 14. When the hour, we've gone from day to hour. Did you catch that? When the hour, there's significance of seasons, there's significance of days, and there are significance of hours, the very defining moment. Of all the hours in human history, how many hours were like the Last Supper? How many hours, one hour in human history, have had as many paintings of that hour conjectured by the minds of men to replicate what that hour looked like. Napoleon Waterloo, Apollo 11. I mean, just what could we think of in human history? Like that one hour, there's so many famous paintings of the Last Supper. It's such a defining moment in human history, as certainly for the church, who we are tonight. When that hour had come, he sat down, verse 14, and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled uh, in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So here it is. This is the passing of covenants. In Hebrews, we're told that the old covenant, where the animal sacrifices were goats and lambs and bulls and whatnot, the Holy Spirit says through Hebrews that Christ made those things obsolete. Those offerings became obsolete. Now think of obsolete things. Toys R Us is obsolete. It no longer exists. A-track players those of you from the 70s, they are obsolete unless you are a collection, yet, collection type of person, you have something like that. There are things that are obsolete. Um, remember when we had, first we had Walkman, right? Of course we had a Walkman. Who didn't have a Walkman in the 80s, right? I mean, don't raise your hand if you didn't because I can presume almost everyone did. Like that, that's when you're moving up. You had a cassette Walkman with the headphones and it was cassette and you had to get really good at fast forwarding to your songs that you liked. Right? And then, and then, whoa. Do you remember the first time you ever heard a CD, a, a music CD? I do. As we were down to a beach, my boss at Body Love, he, I was in his house, he goes, check this out. And he put the CD in it. I was like, oh my goodness, what is that? He's like, that's the future of music, Joey. It was a CD. And then we had the, so my kids growing up in the 90s, they had Walkmans with CD players, right? That's what Hannah had. So Lee had, oh, but by the time they were in middle school, oh, they had the, the little iPod thing, right? I'm like, what the heck is that? What is that? I remember driving by LAX, and there was a, a big Apple billboard by the LAX there when you turn going to the north, and it was somewhere with the, the, you know, the iPhone thing, or not the iPhone, but the iPad, or the, you know, the, the head player, the headset thing. I was like, 
See, I didn't even know what it was. I was like, well, what is that? By the time I figured it out and I finally got one, it was already obsolete. Because then it was moving on to the phones. Think of the last 20 years, everything that's obsolete. I'll tell you what's obsolete. What's obsolete is the Passover lamb. That's what's obsolete. Because Jesus Christ made it obsolete. We don't go backwards. In the book of Acts, when the early church, when the Gentiles, non-Jews were getting saved, they're like, oh, we're just praising Jesus. We're so happy to be saved by grace. And then these Jewish guys are like, no, 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 no. You got you to keep, keep the law. You need to be circumcised. And they wanted to go backwards. Obsolete. You got to play an A-track player. You need to go back to a cassette uh, Walkman, you know, it's like you get, they want they want to go backwards. Acts fifteen, they're like Peter says, why would we put that on anyone else when we ourselves couldn't do that? Why would we go, why are we going backwards? We're not going backwards. See, Jesus died once for all, and it's sufficient. And Hebrews tells us he makes obsolete the Old Testament sacrificial system because he replaces it. So they're in the Passover feast with the apostles, the twelve and. He's, you know, when he takes the bread and the cup, he says, this is my body for 1,500 years. That's a lot of centuries, by the way. 1,500 years is a long, long, long time ago. That's before Charlemagne, right? If we go backwards. I mean, that's a long time ago. 1,500 years is like St. Patrick, okay? It's going back a long time. For 15 centuries, the Jewish people, every year, had the Passover lamb. And this is what they do. And on this night, Jesus Christ, in the room that he determined, he says, this bread is my body. So everything ever was a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ, as it says in Colossians. And this cup is my blood that is shed for you. Now, they didn't fully understand at that time because they're going to argue about who's the greatest right after this. We'll see that next week. But this cup is shed, this, this cup, my blood is shed for you. Okay, so when he says this, picture the blood on the doorpost above and on the side. Well, on the same day, before the sun goes down, they're going to see Jesus on the cross with the blood from the crown of thorns on his head and the blood in his hands on the sides with the nails piercing him and the blood in his feet. He is the Passover lamb. He fulfills it and he makes obsolete what was and he establishes the new covenant. And this is really important because this reminds us not to go backwards. It's forward, onward, and upward with the Lord, Philippians 3. We're not going backwards. We're not going obsolete. We're, not, we're going forward. Everything with the Lord is forward. We can never change yesterday. We have today. We can repent of yesterday and we can ask to be filled for today. And a new, new, his mercies are new every morning. So we can seek his mercies to be new tomorrow morning and just get back on with it and do what God has for us. But we're not going backwards. And the thing about the new covenant, because he said, we see these phrases. He says, okay, so this is given him, verse 19, he says, is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when we have communion, which we do every month, it reminds us that we're saved by grace. It, it's not like, hey, do this in remembrance of your good works. He doesn't say that. Do this in remembrance of you keeping the Ten Commandments or being really close to keeping the Ten Commandments this last week. Or don't do this unless you've been really good with the Ten Commandments or your spouse can say you kept the Ten Commandments this week. He doesn't say that. He says, do this in remembrance of me. We are reminded when we come to the Lord's table for communion once a month. We are reminded that we are saved by grace. By grace you've been saved, that through faith. 
not of works, lest anyone should boast. I'm so grateful that the Lord gives us a reminder. He said to do this in remembrance of him. He gives us a reminder to do this. Now, we know in the early, in the early church, they had communion. They, they broke bread regularly in the, in the communion remembrance of Christ. It's good for us to be reminded on a regular basis that we are saved by grace and that we properly apply God's grace. Grace is a gift that you did not earn. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, but grace is the gift that you've not earned. So really, do it in remembrance of him. It is the grace, the gift of It's the mercy that he died on the cross in our place, and it's the grace because he gives us forgiveness of sins and imputes to our account or gives to our record or puts in our balance his righteousness. It's the ultimate two for one, right? Like he pays the price for our sins, mercy, and then he gives us his righteousness. It's a two for one. So do this in remembrance of me. So for Peter and John, the others, hey, Judas is going his way, but these guys, it's for them. Do this in remembrance of me. And it's the new covenant in my blood. Verse 20. You see how important the blood of Jesus Christ is? We're not following a moral teacher, although he is a moral teacher. We're not following a great intellectual, although he was the greatest of all intellectuals. We're, not, we're following God, whose blood, it, we're told that it was God's blood shed on the cross. My blood looks a certain way when it's shed. Your blood looks a certain way. And all the sons of Adam and daughters of Eve's blood, blood looks a certain way. Animal's blood has variation, but looks a certain way. That blood in Jesus, being born of the virgin... That blood had no sin in it. It, it, It's a different makeup. It's the blood of God. That's why his death in our place is fully sufficient to forgive us because the wage of sin is death and someone has to die. But I can't die for you because I'm under death sentence. And our animals can't die for us because they're less than us. God gave man dominion over the animal kingdom, but only one from eternity. And the wages of sin is eternal death. So the one that comes from eternity dies in our place. His blood is the blood of the covenant. That's the new covenant. And Hebrews tells us it's the everlasting covenant. There's no replacement covenant. It's once for all. So the new covenant is everlasting. And he is superior to us, obviously, as the son of God. And his blood is greater than our blood. And his death in our place is perfectly sufficient to fulfill the righteous requirements of God's righteousness against our sin. We are saved by grace. That's why we do it in remembrance of him in the new covenant. So when we have communion in a couple weeks, I hope you remember this message and think about that and meditate upon that because we are saved by grace and we we don't ever want to move from that. We don't want to move it to like, I'm this great person. We want to be a humble person. We want to grow. We want to rejoice in the journey that God's given us. But we're told by Jesus to do this in remembrance of him, and it's a new covenant in his blood. Last but not least, we see in verse 21, but behold, oh man, it's such a beautiful scene, except it's just going to get, I don't know, just the surfer in me, the surfer in me has to say gnarly. It's just, it's gnarly, and it's going to get gnarlier. I just, trying to find the descriptive, like, it's, it's so hard to describe with an adjective what's really going on here. There's so many moving parts. It's like this drama with different views and different angles. But here it says, but behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the son of man goes, it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. 
Well, verse 23 would imply that they all felt they were capable of doing it, right? Is it me? Is it you? You know, 1 Corinthians, when Paul was writing the Corinthian church, he said, you know, if anyone thinks you stand, take heed lest he fall. And that's a good warning. This is a night when Jesus is betrayed, Jesus is denied, people run away naked with their clothes ripped from him. I mean, a, lot, a guy gets his ear cut off. A lot of crazy things are going to go on in this night. It's just, it's just happening. And this is like the first act of the night. And Jesus says this, and within the 12, while they're thinking about who's greatest, They're also, when Jesus says this, thinking like, could that be me? We're told to put no confidence in our flesh. And Peter becomes an example of that. And we'll get more of him over the next few weeks. But back to verse 22, the betrayer's at the table. There's, he's at the table. You know, no one suspected Judas. He was, in, he was in charge of the finances. He had his act together. And we're told he didn't say that because he cared about the poor, but because he was stealing the money. He was, you know, just... About the money. So, but if Jesus, if Jesus trusted Judas, then it certainly is not Judas. Like, but can you imagine when he comes on the scene and we'll see this next week in the garden or, you know, next few weeks, but like, whoa. When he shows up with all the soldiers, he'd be like, whoa, it's Judas. Like, when people fall in ministry, you just go like, no way. You just did not see that coming. Even in the Calvary movement in the last 20 years, there's been some very godly men that have fallen in ministry. You just go like, dude, I did not see that coming at all. But again, Corinthians tells us, if anyone thinks they stand, take heed lest they fall. Humility and brokenness before the Lord, that's, that's what God honors. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we think about Judas, it is interesting when he betrayed, he got his coins and he threw the coins back at the priest and all that. And he said, uh, his testimony, he said, I've betrayed innocent. Do you know the next word? Blood. He testifies of the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. You see the connection to the blood? This covenant in my blood. And then Judas betrays Jesus for the silver coins. He throws them back and he says, I have betrayed innocent blood. He testifies that he is a sufficient savior for all of us, though he himself would never know that saving grace. Amazing. I'm telling you, this 24 hours is like no other 24 hours in human history. But a final thought on Judas and on the night. There in the book of Acts chapter 1, when they had 11 apostles and they're going forward, and they were going forward, forward, onward, upward. Peter stands up and he says, look, we knew this was going to happen. He quotes a psalm that, you know, he's going to betray, he's going to fall. Then he quotes another psalm that another take his office. And they seek the Lord, they go before the Lord, and they cast lots for a replacement, and the lot falls to Matthias. Matthias becomes the 12th apostle, replacement apostle, at the very end of chapter 1. Chapter 2, day of Pentecost, there's 12 apostles. Through the rest of the book of Acts, until they start dying, uh, like James, the brother of the Lord, the, the, it mentions the apostles, and we put Matthias there. And here's what really gets my attention that really stood out to me on all this. Because, you know, it's two stories for tonight, right? It's the, it's the new covenant with Jesus, and it's the betrayal of Judas. But things just keep moving on. 
things just move on. Do you realize that? Like things move on. This is what Judas did, but we're here and we got work to do. And this is his replacement. You know, when, when um, different famous pastors have fallen from ministry, the churches regroup and they appoint another pastor and they go forward. And we move on. God's always moving forward and moving on. Judas disqualified himself. We don't want to disqualify ourselves. And we see casualties in the human experience, but we want to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we want to keep going forward. We want to be a part of what God's doing today and be full of grace and mercy with everybody around us and be spirit-filled for what tomorrow's bringing. And we can't change the past and we can't change other people's decisions what they chose to do. We just accept responsibility for who we are and we're here and he's gone, she's gone, they're gone, but I'm here and Jesus Christ is Lord and there's work to do this day and my life matters and he died for me and let's get on with the kingdom. Amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed.